0: You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron.
1: And this week we are scratching an itch that has actually been itching us for six months or so now. <laughs> that's a weird thing to say isn't it
0: a little bit yeah that sounds like you probably need to go to the doctor maybe especially considering what itch it is (laughs) (laughs) well it it just seems like that would be a medical condition based on the topic
1: that's that's true that's true (laughs) maybe but let me let me re let me rephrase that we got this itch (laughs) last september (laughs) <laughs> Still sounds medical and bad, but at least it's, a, it's it accurately describes what's happening. <laughs> Damn you, Rex Manning. <laughs> yeah. And that is that is the itch <laughs> to talk about rock on Rex Manning Day and talk about the way that rock music and movies are intertwined. Largely some of our favorite movies that uh, combine those two things. Yeah, we, we did an episode last September. And it was the 25th anniversary of Empire Records. And one of us joked that we should do a Rex Manning Day episode. And that has been on the calendar since last September. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm really excited to actually do this. In fact, we spent
2: the last six months trying to reach out to Rex Manning himself. Maxwell Caulfield. He did not return our emails or any kind of messages, but we did try, damn it. He's probably like, what's a podcast? <laughs> He's probably just sick and tired of being Rex Manning at this
0: point. <laughs> <laughs> Stop
1: reaching out to me. I'm not fucking Rex Manning. I'm Max Caulfield. <laughs> but actually, though, um last year, whenever we posted that tribute, there was a shortcut. You can go back and find it in the archives if you want. And we posted like something on, on Twitter for it. And it did get a response from Johnny Whitworth and uh Coyote Shivers. Who were two characters yes. in the film, and so that was fun. It made my day a little bit. I'm like, oh, AJ and and uh, whatever Coyote's name was, Burko, Burko,
0: <laughs> Burko. Yeah,
1: AJ and Burko appreciated our appreciation, and so why not? <laughs> and that's
2: awesome. I mean, for it was it was a fantastic movie for one, you know. And it's it's funny because we can say that now, but apparently when it first came out, it was not yeah. a success. <laughs> It was a flop in the box office. It was. Yes. So funny story about that. It actually only did about 0.3 million in the box office yeah. uh, when it was released. And from what I understand, they spent how much about 10 million or so?
0: Uh, 10 million. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so it was a huge flop. Obviously, it lost lots, lots of money, but it ended up turning out to be a cult classic. Funny story, though, uh, two days after Regency Enterprises executive Michael Nathanson gave approval to proceed with making Empire Records, he was approached with the script for Clueless. Hmm. As he already had a, quote, teen movie in hand, he turned down the eventual $57 million box office hit and proceeded with the eventual making of Empire Records and its .3 million box office bomb.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. That's
2: a tough
1: call. I think, man. I bet he was fired. <laughs> it's hard to know what to do with those. He just lost <laughs> his $57 million. Right. But that's the thing about movies is you never know what's going to take or when it's going to take. And that's why like Empire Records is a cult classic at this point, even though it bombed the box office. And there's a million movies that are the same way. Like the, the audience just doesn't take to them at that time. But over time, more people discover them and they're like, there's something to this. There's something charming about this movie. Well, and I think, you know, if you just think about the premise of the movie
2: itself, it was released in 1995, you know, I I know, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't really see it like right when when it came out. Oh, no, no, I didn't. And and I couldn't really associate to it until I was in high school. You know, I think that's what it is, though, is that everybody that watches it, especially when they're in high school, you know, it's something that they can uh, see themselves in or, you know, well, maybe not now, because there's hardly any record stores out there, but at least working that type of job and in, t- in that type of environment. And that's because that was always the type of, you know, because of that movie, that was always the type of dream job that I wanted was to work at a record store. Right. And I was super jealous of my friend working at Sam Goody. Our, one of our friends actually that we did that helped us start the radio show. Kevin worked at Sam Goody for a couple of years uh, before they eventually closed down. Yeah. So it seemed like I, all, I remember the closing all those kind of, of like Goody. closed down at the same time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. And oh man, now that reminds me. If we're if we're gonna talk about rec- Casey, should we tell them about slackers and and our adventures with slackers? Um, it might it
0: might incriminate us a little bit.
1: You know what? I don't care. I'm gonna incriminate myself. It's, I've been out of college for a long time. We don't do it anymore. I'm not advocating for it. I'm just telling a tale, and this is what happened. So there's the record store near our college called slackers you know it's one of those it was very much like empire records but smaller and without like 800 degrees of drama happening all in one day like in that movie but uh the radio station used to get sent cds by the ton yes from record labels and artists wanting them played yep and some of them got played some of them did not most of them ended up kind of just sitting in a box
0: for months and months on end a lot of them ended up in our collection, but the ones that uh, were still usable, but not in our collection.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. We use a lot of them just for the CD cases themselves.
1: <laughs> sometimes we would use them for the CD cases. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You'll find the good ones. And sometimes we would take the leftovers over to Slackers and we would get whatever they would take half that stuff they never wanted to take. Cause they're like, we don't know who or what this crap is. And we're like, we don't either. That's why we came to you. You're the record experts <laughs> But anyway, we would, we you know we'd take those and we would turn in like, I don't know. What do we, what would you get? Like you turn in like 10 CDs and you might get enough credit to buy one or something uh, like that. It maybe not. It wasn't even that quite good. that
0: bad, but it was, it was, it was close. It was three or four, three or four might get you a $10 CD.
1: But we ended up padding our own record collections by trading in oh, yeah. ra- the radio station stuff. And again, I'm not advocating that this is ethically permissible. I'm just saying well, that we did it. And in retrospect, it was kind of funny.
0: And it's <laughs> it said it right on some of the some of the CDs themselves. Yeah. But we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Do those not off. resale,
1: not for resale. <laughs> we didn't care about
0: that, and Slackers didn't care about that. So what's this clear sticker that used to have writing on it? those are yeah. the hardest to
1: get off because we had had the smudges of the the red i don't know gorilla glue residue that they put that crap on with we they're like ew this what is this crap on here and so but anyway i still have the depeche modes greatest hits from the 80s and 90s in my car that i got from slackers in like 2005 or something like that yeah <laughs> So anyway, so we love us the record
0: stores. I bought a lot of classic rock artists to pad the classic rock block on the station CDs. That's right. Sometimes
1: sometimes we got concert DVDs. I remember getting a Chevelle live DVD there one time. So record stores have been good to us is what we're saying. (laughs) Or maybe I should say the radio station was good to us, (laughs) even though they didn't know it.
2: I loved going to record stores, but like there was a, a time like right, I guess in the middle of high school where... It just flipped like they they started charging more at record stores and then other big chains started charging less. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just you you started seeing that's when you really started seeing the record stores go out of business. That's like right around like, you know, 2000, 2005. Yeah. And it's it just was a bummer. Basically the start of iTunes. (laughs) Yeah, well, that was kind of too. Yeah,
1: that was kind of also the case, too. And that's why half of those places went out of most of those places did go out of business. There just wasn't that much of a market for them anymore. I mean, now you get you do have the the market for like final picking up steam a lot in the past few years, but still,
2: that's why we keep Rex Manning Day alive to remember the the record store because, you know, they're just like blockbusters. They're few and far between
1: nowadays and Empire Records itself. What's interesting about it is that it's really like a time capsule of like 90s, like college alt rock kind of stuff. I can't entirely say it was nostalgia because it was actually um, a lot of music that was just slightly before or off to the side of when I was getting into rock. Like the soundtrack is the Gin Blossoms, the Cranberries, Better Than Ezra, Sponge, Dishwalla, and of course, Max Caulfield, uh, or Rex <laughs> Manning himself, the legend, with Say <laughs> No More, No More. <laughs> <laughs> But it was just all that that music put together and they used it so liberally throughout the movie to fill in all these spots and stuff. And it was a lot of fun. It introduced me even to some of those bands, because like I said, I didn't see this movie until later and like a lot of those bands, of their time had kind of passed, but I listened to it and I was like, this is fun. And and I, I dig this stuff. So, yeah, it did a great job at that. And it had this kind of like punk rock feel to it with all these weird little rebels and freaks that work together at this place.
2: Yeah. And they all had their own stories and you kind of became very involved in everybody's storyline. You know, I think this is one of the movies that that features probably the most songs of almost any movie I can think of. I mean, at least, and I'm not saying like songs isn't like soundtrack songs, like score songs. I mean like actual band music. Yeah. There's, I mean, they have tons yeah. and tons of songs in this, in this movie just on the soundtrack alone. There's 16.
1: Yeah, right. The soundtrack itself is like a third of the music that actually shows up. Yes. In the film. Yeah, if not less than that. It's nuts. There's even a Gwar appearance in there. Did you know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you get Gwar in your movie, you are up to something wild. And so,
2: yeah,
1: that was a lot of fun. It's I mean, I'm not going to say it's the best written thing of all time. Like I said, it's like really overdramatic. There's a bunch of crap happening. The whole movie is only like an hour and a half long. So you just get thrown right into this hot mess of stuff that's going on somehow they managed to like put together and and successfully throw this save you know save the empire show in like a day i don't know how they do it but so like it's (laughs) preposterous it's kind of absurd but it's so much fun that you don't i don't really care and you get so many like good quotes you got stuff with warren the little pickpocketer dude trying to steal the cds we never did that by the way
0: lucas going to atlantic city
1: yeah Lucas, what's with today?
2: Today, and yeah, they do on like I think it's NCIS uh, Louisiana or something. Yeah. Uh, Louisiana?
1: There's an NCIS yeah. Louisiana? Yeah. Louisiana? Yeah. New Orleans? Yeah, New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Okay, I was like, they're going yeah. state by
2: state yeah. now. No, it's, it, but I'm pretty sure he's on that show. If it wasn't that one, it was the CSI Miami. He was on one of them, and like every time I saw him, I'm like, Lucas, and, he, Lucas. <laughs> and he's like. He, he was like some, uh, like one of the lab techs or something, like one of the, <laughs> I don't know, investigators or, or like the crime scene guys.
0: Lucas, uh,
1: you've changed. And so,
2: like, yeah, <laughs> he, he was like he all these like really smart lines, and I'm just like, dude, come on, you're Lucas, like what? <laughs>
0: you, you turned into the man, Lucas. What the hell?
1: Yeah, no. you're right. You can't have into the man. <laughs> I what I love is that that dude spent seventy five percent of that movie sitting on a couch. Yes, or at <laughs> least clutching he, he a was pillow. <laughs> Clutching a pillow from the couch, I'm like, "That's fantastic! What a memorable thing, right there." I don't know. It's I love that movie. I just watched it a couple months ago, um, and started brainstorming if there would ever be a possible way that that show could exist now. And I think it would be difficult. I don't. I certainly don't think this generation like would have a clue how to relate to what was going on there. Which is okay. Not everything has to be for the kids, right? But um, it would be a tough sell. But you'd have you would definitely have some some Gen X nostalgia. And technically, we aren't really even Gen X, but that's really what that film is. Yeah. We're millennials, but nonetheless, we're elder millennials.
0: On the fringe there.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Lucas was also, well, Rory Cochran was also in another cult classic with a great soundtrack in Days and Confused, as stoner Ron Slater.
0: Yes. We'll get to that here shortly.
1: We we can now if you want, because I was going to go down a similar path where uh, Ethan Embry of the of this film also stars in another great rock and roll film and i just wanted to point out how much i loved ethan embry in the 90s when he was in this film the other one i was going to mention in a second here and when he was rusty in vegas vacation aka <laughs> nick papa giorgio <laughs>
0: <laughs> ethan was embry awesome. had a run
1: He had a run for like two years where he was like the coolest dude. Yeah. And in all movies playing this like lovable dork. Yeah. And he put a dollar in and got a car. He He put a
0: dollar in and got a car. He put a dollar in and got a car. car. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. The one other thing I was going to, two things actually about empire records is that it basically was the launching pad of Liv Tyler and Renee Zellweger. Yes.
1: Very true. So they are almost certainly the biggest stars to come out of that film.
0: Yes. And then the other thing is the little shortcut at the end where they're talking about the Pixies versus Primus.
1: Yes. Has Primus ever been mentioned by name in a film before?
0: Other than Empire Records? Probably not.
1: Probably not. Oh, man. That made me so happy. See, this is I'm so glad we decided to do this episode. Rex Manning Day deserves it. Maybe we'll make it a tradition if this podcast continues. Every year we'll do a movie episode for Rex Manning Day.
0: So Empire Records probably was when Primus Timus was officially born.
1: It's true. (laughs) They were the first to have Primus Timus (laughs) versus the Pixies, which we barely ever talk about.
0: So
2: I leave you with one more Rex Manning fact. (laughs) The Rex Manning music video, Say No More, Man was (laughs) shot prior to principal photography, and it was shot on, on Wrightsville Beach in North Carolina in one day. It was only intended to be a 17-second dance move piece for the main actors to make fun of in the film. (laughs) but They they basically made it a
1: complete four-and-a-half-minute music video. (laughs) It's on YouTube. You can absolutely find it. I went and tried to watch it a few weeks ago. (laughs) I only made it about halfway through, but I loved that it was a full song and a full music video (laughs) for such a stupid song. I loved it.
2: The director (laughs) shot for the entire day and gave the producers a complete four and a half minute music video.
1: (laughs) What a wonderful bonus. (laughs) Oh boy. All right. So, so that thing you do might be my favorite rock related film. Um, It's a movie from 96, the same era. It was actually written and directed by Tom Hanks. And the whole story tells the tale of the rise and self implosion of a one hit wonder a band called the wonders and their lone hit single which is called that thing you do um it's a very charming movie it's not overly complicated the acting performances are great you've got you've got Liv Tyler again Ethan Embry again so there's these a lot of this overlap between these 90s actors Charlize Theron uh, makes an appearance in that one Steve Zahn, who I'm always a huge fan of, and Tom Hanks himself plays kind of their manager. I don't know. I just I adore it. I think it's charming. I think uh, it's a great take on like pop music in the 60s, which is is the, the time period it's set in. And I think that this film pulls off an absolute miracle, which is the fact that the song itself, that thing you do, is played like 10 times in the movie. Yeah. (laughs) All the time you're hearing this track. And yet the song is so well written and the variations on it in the ways that it shows up are so clever that at no point do I get sick of that song and want to turn the movie off. Which you would think would happen from overkill of hearing it that much. Never does. I could listen to that song all day. (laughs) (laughs) So kudos to them. Kudos to them for that film, for that song, which I believe was... um, Written by the late Adam Schlesinger, uh, who was one of the founding members of Fountains of Wayne as well. Uh, he passed away actually, actually a year ago today, as we record this from COVID complications. But oh, wow. um, he was credited. Yeah, that guy wrote a lot of great songs in his uh, in his life, and that, that was that was one of them.
2: Apparently, that song was also written. But at least some of the music in there was was written by Tom Hanks, which I didn't know he could. write. Yeah.
1: Music. Yeah. Hanks himself had a role in, in a lot of that. And, and as a fun bonus, Ethan Embry's character, he plays he plays the bassist in The Wonders. He does not actually uh, receive a name throughout the entire film. <laughs> Ethan Embry is credited in the band as TB player. And so he is <laughs> that guy. He is simply the bass player.
2: And that is it. (laughs) Which is funny because from what I understand, like it was supposed to be a joke based on the perception that bass players are often unknown and unappreciated. When we've made comments on our show that it typically kind of seems like that's usually the drummer. But, you know, that's kind of why we do our interviews
1: with drummers. We appreciate the drummers too. (laughs) We give the drummer some love. It's true. Yeah. But the drummer is actually kind of the the main character in that film, so that's interesting. Tom Everett Scott plays uh the drummer and he's really your main point of view that you're following around. So if you haven't seen that one, I wanna highly recommend it. It's also pretty darn wholesome for the whole family. And so yeah. no problems there. And uh and just, just a good piece of work. It's not, you know, it's not hard rock, metal, that kind of stuff we cover by any means, but it's a story that tells What seems to be fairly believable about what it would be like to be in a one-hit wonder pop rock band. So that's my story. That's my selling pitch. What else you guys got?
0: Now we get into the not-so-wholesome movies. (laughs) Oh, really?
1: Because I had one more that I'm pretty sure is very wholesome, but I want to hear what you got. (laughs) Now, I'm very curious. Tell me a not-wholesome movie.
0: Well, (laughs) Detroit Rock City.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) oh man i'll I'll be quite honest when I first saw that movie I had no idea what I was in store for um and it, it is literally one of my favorite movies it's it's so wrong in so many ways but like I just know that there's no doubt Casey if me and you were in that situation we'd do everything we can to go see our favorite band <laughs> yeah now i
0: wouldn't I wouldn't beat up any
1: kids <laughs> well let's
0: yeah let's 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 kind of go over some of the movie. I mean, we're not going to go over the entire thing, but
1: I've never seen this one, so so yeah, so sell me on it without spoiling it. Okay, I tried to do that with that thing you do just now because I don't think Dan's seen it. I have not, so you can do that with Detroit Rock City for me.
0: Okay, so Detroit Rock City is what you would expect it to be. It centers around Kiss, and so these four friends who are in their own band called Mystery. Oh yeah. (laughs) yeah Uh, they're just about to end their high school careers or whatever the mom of one of the guys finds kiss tickets that they all had and lights her cigarette with it and burns the tickets Mm. so (laughs) it's an entire adventure of them trying to get tickets again to go see the concert and mystery is a kiss cover band and the mom thinks that kiss
2: is the devil and rock music is the devil and she actually is one of these like uh moms that organizes other moms it's like to try to you know moms against that's it that's it mothers against yeah yeah it was what was it was it mothers against uh
0: is like mothers against the music of kiss yeah
2: because anyway so like (laughs) throughout the the movie. The mom thinks that the the kiss is the devil's music. She thinks that kiss stands for knights and Satan's uh service. Yeah, yeah. And so she burns the tickets, and then like the rest of the movie, the the guys are all trying to find different ways to get to the the concert.
1: So we've got yeah. another 90s movie that is a a period piece. I presume it's, it doesn't take place in the 90s, right?
0: No, it's in the it's in the 70s. It takes place back in the 70s. Yeah. yeah,
1: I would presume so. Yeah, 70s would be the right time to. <laughs> For somebody to be freaking out about seeing kiss as a teenager so (laughs) yeah okay okay
2: holy shit i didn't realize shannon tweed was the (laughs) bombshell
1: yes she was
2: that's dude casey did you realize that shannon tweed was the bombshell in the movie
0: yes yeah
2: i'm an idiot (laughs) as soon as i saw it i was like no way oh no way of
0: course it makes sense yeah the other only other real notable actor is uh, Edward Fur- Furlong, who was John Connor in Terminator 2.
1: He was. Or I know him from uh, American History X, unfortunately.
0: Yeah.
1: A great movie, just very uncomfortable to watch.
0: Yeah. But anyway. but anyway,
2: there was a couple of people in that movie that kind of amounted to something. I mean,
0: yeah, um, I forget her name. She was one of the Stellas who was. A, it's a disco. Dancer. And she was in American Pie American and Pie, Orange is yeah. New Black.
1: Yeah, I've never been able to pronounce this girl's name, but um, it's Emmanuel something, and she plays Sloane in the TV show Entourage, and she is probably one of the prettiest women I've ever seen. Yes, I don't. I'm just looking up the cast right now. I'm. I'm not trying to spoil the whole movie for myself, but <laughs> she's delightful and apparently shows up in that film. So, anyway.
0: But yeah, so the <laughs> this is definitely one of those movies where the soundtrack itself and then the soundtrack that they sold they could have had a, a four disc CD <laughs> soundtrack, but they only have 16 tracks on the actual soundtrack. But the movie itself uses basically every Kiss song almost and then <laughs> covers of of all sorts of uh, songs. I think Everclear uh, covers, I forget what song.
1: Looking at it at now, I'm looking up the soundtrack. Yeah, they cover The Boys Are Back in Town.
0: That's right. Yep.
1: And the soundtrack also features Drain STH, which I will take any chance to mention. That's <laughs> a uh, uh, 20th Century Boy by T Rex, and uh, who we also mentioned in a previous episode.
0: Anyway, so. The the soundtrack definitely um is prominent throughout the whole movie and it, it fits perfectly with a lot of what's going on in the movie. I
1: appreciate that. And I'm sure KISS made made bank out of it. They probably took half the profit of that film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't do anything with Gene Simmons' property without him getting a massive cut
0: of it. <laughs> yeah. Hence why Shannon Tweed was one of the <laughs> was one of the characters in the movie. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah
2: and i i i, I mean it makes sense now i i just it never clicked on me like i you know it's been years since i've seen that and i don't think i ever put two and two together
0: yeah <laughs> i didn't really know it at the time but but then after he had his reality show with her i was like oh yeah oh okay that makes yeah. sense
1: yeah moving on to another one in here
0: yes dazed and confused
1: <laughs> all right can i be honest and tell you guys that that's also one that i have never sat and watched start to finish It's one of those that I've seen a lot of parts of and like I know enough about, but you know, it's,
2: I have such mixed feelings about this one because yes, it's, it's a good movie. It's got great parts in it. It, Overall, it's a, you know, obviously it's a reason why there's, it's a cult classic, but I just never thought it was as great as everybody made it out to be.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'll, I'll agree with you there as a movie overall, but the soundtrack is phenomenal.
2: Yeah, no, I I agree with that, but, like, you know, everybody just, like, says it, like, this is one of the greatest stoner movies of all time, and I just, I have to disagree with that vehemently, like...
0: It's mostly because of Matthew McConaughey's lines in the movie.
2: That's true. It's just one line. Yeah. Just one line. It's like, hey, do you have a joint? No? You'd be much cooler if you did. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Everybody'd be cooler if they had a joint. Like, what? I mean, like...
1: that's, (laughs) (laughs) That's your... That's your line. Well, I thought. I thought that was. I thought it was the that they stay yeah. the same age line. Yeah. The the high school
0: kids. Uh, I get older. But that's but just the, a creep show. Yeah. Line. That's, that's a creepy. No. Line. That's.
1: I'm talking <laughs> about like the whole the
2: whole line that everybody makes like associates it to be a, a stoner movie is just that one line of Matthew McConaughey's. Like, yeah, there's a little bit of pot smoking, but it's not a. It's just not like. So it's, the movie. I, I would say, you know, hey, let's go watch some stoner movies. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think I would consider that one of them. <laughs>
1: huh. interesting
2: I mean I, I guess in a long list of like genres yeah maybe it would fit in that genre but like I don't know like, I just don't it's more so about high school as opposed to pot that's fair and you know, huh. like you said the, the soundtrack is fantastic And I think that's also what it's about is just good music and having a good time in high school and I guess that's part of it
1: that movie has has Roy Cochran who we mentioned before and it also has Joy Lauren Adams who to me is very similar to Renee Zellweger. She is. (laughs) They're kind of. uh, And it has Renee Zellweger. So, (laughs) I mean, there's there's we're coming back to more overlap. It's another movie that takes place in the 70s and uh, was made in the 90s. So that's like a theme for the majority of these films is that they were made in the 90s and set in other times. Apparently, that's that's our taste.
0: Mila Jovovich as well.
1: Yeah, Mila Jovovich. Uh, ben, ben Affleck, Affleck. <laughs> some big
0: Adam names.
2: Goldberg, come on, like <laughs> Adam Goldberg.
1: <laughs> Parker Posey, who I want to give credit to for appearing in a bunch of Christopher Guest's mockumentary films that have nothing to do with rock, real for the most part. Well, they do have one film that has to do with music. Uh, it's called A Mighty Wind, but nonetheless, she's just great <laughs> in those films.
2: <laughs> Since you mentioned uh, Joy Lauren Adams, can we just mention that her
1: best movie is Chasing Amy? Sure. Can we also mention that I took a Love and Philosophy class, which I know, we I was watched Chasing Amy. Dan was in there with me. Oh, that's was... right. Yeah. <laughs> J-term class, man. We took a J-term class and watched Chasing Amy in school. That was fantastic. Yep. It was fantastic. Yeah. I love that class. <laughs> Good times. Can I take us back to a wholesome one that I think, for me, is just one of the best movies related to rock and one of the just the most fun? And that is School of Rock. Oh, yeah starring one Jack Black and a movie that is not from the nineties or set in the seventies, but came out in the two thousands and is about a slacker who sort of fakes his way into becoming a music teacher for a bunch of kids and in turn teaches them the love of rock. And I love that story and that film.
2: (laughs) It it, it is great. And one thing I didn't realize, like the first couple of times I saw it is that it's literally written by the roommate it's written by Dewey yeah
0: <laughs> it's oh, just yeah, yeah. it's a
2: I loved it I mean it's it it seems to me like it's Jack Black's life story I mean yeah. in some fashion he was meant to play that role because he was always mm-hmm. especially early in his career as a musician he was always singing about trying to make the rent um, yes. that's actually like all he knew about how, how to write <laughs> it was just yeah. am, I gonna, am I gonna be able to pay the rent this month that's <laughs> <laughs> but no, what was most impressive were obviously the kids. Like you have a bunch of 12 yeah. year old stars that are all phenomenal in every single um, fashion of, of, the instrument that they were playing. And I, I think one things that I absolutely appreciate about that movie is that Jack black took the time to make sure that the kids were the stars that the, the movie revolved around them and their abilities. And just a side note, this is also a musical. Um, That is on Broadway and goes tours. I saw it on tour when it toured and came through St. Louis. And and so we saw it at the Fox. And they also had kids play instruments like 10 year old kids with them. And it was it was incredible. Um, The lead guy was amazing. He was almost like Jack Black, too. (laughs) <laughs> and like and the, and the kids all came out and they all played their instruments like they everybody did they even said that like there's no band there's no background music all these kids are doing their own stuff and it was it was incredible and that's that's one of the things I absolutely loved about it um is that it, it just it revolved around the, the kids and,
1: and their talent at, at such a young age and that's one of the things that puts this movie so high up the list of rock-related movies to me is because it's a movie that actually could inspire children to pick up instruments, or to yeah. listen to Led Zeppelin, or whatever. Right,
0: Any of those right. things
1: could happen. Which, by the way, his <laughs> face in that scene with the with, with yes. the immigrant song is I, just the best thing all, of all time.
2: I but, cannot <laughs> hear that song and not see his face anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. 100% true. And so I, I want to <laughs> say... <laughs> We can't (laughs) listeners can't see this, but Dan just did a spot on impersonation of that Mm -hmm. face. (laughs) But also I I want to say that when this, after this film came out, like those kind of schools actually did exist, you know, music schools for kids and stuff. But I want to say that there was actually like a spike in them happening, like popping up after this film, I could be making that up or it could have been some hearsay rumor that I, you know, urban legend or something, but I'd like to believe that it's true because I like to believe that, you know, the kids of that generation are loving instruments and loving rock music as much as Jack Black does.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. It was incredible. And I I do think that it it would have been awesome if they would have continued because from what I understand, they were supposed to do all kinds of stuff with this.
1: There was a lot of possibilities.
2: Yeah, there's supposed to be a sequel. And then they they decided not to do that. And then they had like a kind of a 10 year reunion show. And I guess they like actually played a, it looks like they, uh, Oh, OK, it was just a, an interview. I guess it wasn't like a sh That would have been awesome. They should, should have played a concert.
1: What the hell? <laughs> Who organized that one? Jesus.
2: Missed an opportunity there.
1: Yeah, that's it's just it's just such a lovable film. And Jack Black himself. This is the PG version of the same guy that he is in Tenacious D. Because the Tenacious D is yeah. also singing about, you know, techno tried to destroy the metal like that kind of thing. Like, they're right. always also singing about their love for rock. It's just that, you know, in this film, you can do it without having a parental advisory sticker. And yeah, so, it's singing about,
2: you know, make your woman happy.
1: Right, right. <laughs> or he leaves it. all that stuff out. <laughs> There's none of that in this. So... And, and just because we're talking about Jack Black, I have to give a shout out to one of my favorite comedies that has nothing to do with rock, which is Nacho Libre. And I just wanted <laughs> to get that slid into this episode. Nacho <laughs> Libre is freaking hilarious. <laughs> anyway, back to the rock. So <laughs> I don't know. I love that one. Um says so a lot about you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. So then you have a couple of movies that we wanted to touch on briefly that just had great soundtracks, great movies, which was guardians of the galaxy. Oh yeah. Yes. Volume one had a great soundtrack, but it kind of was under the radar, but it was so many people enjoyed it that they focused on it a lot on volume two. Yeah. And a hilarious tie in to all that. There's one song that is on guardians of the galaxy volume two, Detroit Rock City and Dazed and Confused, and that's oh, Fox sad. on the Run by Sweet. Nice, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> Pretty impressive. So, for it to be a great soundtrack, you need Fox on the Run. Basically, is what is what we're saying. Here. Noted. So, I have a question for you then. What is
2: you know? Because I'm sure we can probably get into so many movies where they have great movies, great soundtracks. What would you say is probably your favorite, maybe two or three, uh, great movie, great soundtrack?
0: Um, for me, I would say Forrest Gump always is kind of an underrated oh, one. It's a good one. I
1: like that. Are we trying to largely still stick to some type of rock?
0: Yeah, involved. Yeah, yeah.
1: or okay. Man, that's a that's a great question. I don't know if I prepared for this enough internally. Um, well,
2: <laughs> for myself, I, I would say Blow is probably one yes. of my favorites. Like in terms of great movie, great soundtrack. Like that is by and far one of my favorite soundtracks. Uh, it's got just some great classic rock songs, and the movie itself is is fantastic. Uh, it, I, it, in my opinion, it's one of Johnny Depp's best movies. Yeah, um, mm. he, he really did. His research in that character, um, and did everything he could to represent that whole kind of situation and industry, and uh, it was it was amazing. Um, another one, and I, I want to put these two together uh, because I, 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 they're a movie franchise, um, and I think that the one kind of went with the other. But the Matrix, Matrix, and the Matrix, yes. Matrix Reloaded, yes. great movies. Okay. Uh, Matrix, you know, Matrix Reloaded is not everybody's favorite. I love all of them. They are seriously some of my favorite movies, but their soundtracks are amazing too. Uh, and I think that's also what makes the movie so great is that, you know, the soundtrack is just, it's just amazing. It's, and you're just, you're so involved in the, in the movie and what's going on because the soundtrack has you pulled in. And my last one uh, is, and some people will say this is, movie is maybe not their favorite. I think it's a little bit incomplete because the main actor died during it, but uh, the crow, I thought, the Crow was actually nice. a great movie. The soundtrack for that is a fantastic soundtrack. And a lot of these songs, a lot of people don't know this, but like the um, Machine has a song on on the Crow soundtrack that's not anywhere to be found, anywhere else to be found. Nine Inch Nails has a song on the uh, soundtrack that they don't have anywhere else. There's also like the Rollins Band, Pantera, Stone Temple Pilots, The Cure. Uh, it was a great, great sound, Violent Femmes. Um, it was a fantastic soundtrack and, and a great movie, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and the fact that Iggy Pop was in the movie itself. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not gonna go all the way to great movie, great soundtrack, but I will say very fun movie and and very good and very memorable soundtrack for this one. And that is the replacements. This is this is one that yes. I've been thinking about as we yeah. talk about this episode. The replacements <laughs> is a is a it's a very fun movie about Keanu Reeves keanu reeves leading a team of of scabs of replacement football players and the soundtrack is great because it alternates between like you know your typical sports songs like you, you got queen and and gary glitter and yeah. and that kind of stuff and there's a whole scene where they sing i will survive and in jail <laughs> yeah in jail and then mixed in with that you have Back in the wrestling episode, Casey and I talked about how WCW love to make ripoffs of popular rock songs for their themes. Yes. Yeah. Mixed in with all those legends in replacements is like blatantly obvious knockoffs of like <laughs> the offspring and a, and a number of other artists. If you listen to the <laughs> football plays, you'll be like, hey, this is come out and play almost. <laughs> 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 and it's so much fun. And there's a great uh, Wallflowers cover of David Bowie's Heroes at the end of that film. Yes. So definitely throwing that there. I'll am I'm put that as my representative to this category. Two
2: others I just want to throw out there real quick since we're moving on. Resident Evil soundtrack and The Punisher. Great movies, I think, in my opinion. Some people might disagree, but the soundtracks were also really good. Seven the years. Punisher, definitely. And that's the Tom Jane Punisher. Please don't get confused. Yes. The Tom Jane Punisher movie is pretty damn good. The one after that? No, not, not, not so good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the soundtrack is excellent.
1: Yes. So that was that was a set of good movies with good soundtracks. <laughs> um, how about a few trash movies with good soundtracks? A few? <laughs> a few? <laughs> Just a few. For hey. a we're, we're, day. We're, maybe we'll do a whole other episode on it, but <laughs> we'll keep not. it fairly limited for today, but <laughs> it's a great topic. I want to crowdsource future movies for this conversation. So we'll put this out to the social medias. All right. I, I will
2: start with uh, one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. But this movie, in my opinion, is just garbage. No matter how <laughs> awesome The Rock is, he could not save it. The Scorpion King soundtrack. Oh, Fantastic my. soundtrack. You got Godsmack, P.O.D., System of a Down, Drowning Pool. Uh, Nickelback and Creed um Hoobastank, Flaw, (laughs) (laughs) Cold Chamber, (laughs) Mushroom Head, Ozzy Osbourne, Rob Zombie um, 12
1: Stones 12 Stones Stones, who wrote who wrote the same song like 12 times for their (laughs) album (laughs) that's right (laughs) I will never get tired of making fun of how generic 12 Stones is
2: The movie is a pure action movie and it's, it's, it's pretty garbage. I'm not going to lie. Like halfway through the movie, he turns into like this scorpion thing or something. I don't know. He just looks. it's it. I don't know. I didn't really like it that much. It was okay. (laughs) It's just not my thing, I guess. Great soundtrack though.
1: You know, I, I, I'm not sure what this says about us or the bands involved, but I know some of the other ones on, on your list. And I'm going to bring one up here in just a second. And there's a decent amount of overlap in the bands among these these soundtracks. Yeah. So I think we were just yeah. we were just really into that like that like rap rock and like metal scene of around the year two thousand. And so we forgave a lot of garbage movies. And and <laughs> one of those is Adam Sandler's Little Nicky, which <laughs> which included included Incubus, Deftones, Cypress Hill, Lincoln Park, Disturbed, and you know, my favorite, because at this time that the, this film came out around in the year 2000, P.O.D. was my favorite band in the world. And the lead single off of that was School of Hard Knocks, which I, I loved because anything that P.O.D. did at that time, I loved. But Little Nicky, though, I mean, <laughs> once you got past the wedding singer, I think for Adam Sandler, the comedies just weren't funny for the most part.
2: <laughs> I, I will definitely agree with that. And the movie is is stupid as hell it has its funny <laughs> moments i will say the best damn part in that movie by and far is rodney dangerfield playing lucifer oh my god he is hilarious <laughs> An excellent bit of casting still and gets half, no respect yeah, i think half the half the movie he's like trying to shove a pineapple up adolf hitler's rear
0: yeah
1: yes i believe that is part of
2: that is one of his things
1: which is messed up but so.
0: uh, <laughs>
2: But yeah i mean it was i mean ronnie dangerfield is the only reason why i probably enjoyed that movie or at least made it through it the movie is yeah. terrible but the soundtrack is fantastic they did a great job of making the soundtrack incubus daftone cypress hill some great stuff
1: yep and then we got a couple of i'll let you guys handle these but a couple of uh darker films i guess to uh wrap up this topic that still again features some of these same bands like we were just we were really loving these sounds at this time but not these movies
2: yeah and i mean i kind of mentioned earlier uh where you know i thought the crow was a little bit unfinished if you're not familiar with the story of that one uh brandon lee the lead actor in that was actually killed during the making of it um by a a on basically by a loaded gun um they thought it was i guess had a uh an empty shell in it but it actually did not and he died so um the the movie kind of felt a little bit incomplete there's another movie that has a great soundtrack and actually jonathan davis helped write all the music in this movie but the main actress was Aaliyah, and she died in a plane crash uh halfway through the making of the movie and so they tried to do their best to finish the film with what they had because they didn't they felt they were so far along they didn't want to recast her but she's kind of like the main the whole movie kind of revolves around her character um because i believe if i I will say i do apologize if i'm not as familiar with this uh, storyline because i've watched it once or twice and it's just such crap that i couldn't get through again (laughs) but if i remember correctly like the lead actor is like this vampire, and he's a he's a rock star. Some stupid shit, and
0: like yeah, and yeah, it's like
2: going around tour, and and uh, I believe that his tours are powering her up or something. And like if yeah, if he goes and finishes or something, and she becomes completely awakened and will take over the world or so I don't know exactly what it is, but um yeah
0: yeah more or less that's the plot. and so
2: okay. it was. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a terrible movie, but (laughs) all the movie, all the music in the movie is performed and written by Jonathan Davis. The soundtrack, because he was under such a a shitty uh, contract with Korn, they wouldn't, his record company would not allow him to appear on the soundtrack. So he basically had a whole bunch of his friends come in and record over him. And you can actually, if you're listening to the songs from that soundtrack, you can hear his vocal under the main singer in that song. But he just couldn't be featured as the main artist. It was—it's really stupid.
1: And so you had, you had David Draymond of Disturbed, Chester of Lincoln Park, um, you had Manson, Jay Gordon
2: of Orchie,
1: Jay Gordon, Wayne Static, yep. uh, Papa Roach makes an appearance in there. Deftones and uh, shoot change the Deftones song. It's the same track that's uh, that's in Little Nicky. <laughs> Yep. So, yeah, they were getting that just like everywhere. the actors. <laughs> yeah, just like those actors in, in the 90s movies were just hopping around from film to film. So were the bands in the soundtracks of these these like gothic metal <laughs> movies or whatever the heck you want to call them. I think that's a fascinating story about Jonathan yeah. Davis pretty much like orchestrating the soundtrack, but not being able to technically appear on it. That's just so weird to me.
2: Yeah, he, he did everything.
1: Yeah, it's also why pretty much that whole soundtrack. I mean, the, the tracks that are written by him, not the not like change and stuff. But that's why, like, almost everything on there sounds like a corn song, just with a different vocalist. <laughs> well, it, so
2: what's funny is like w- when he finally released a solo album, which I think was like what two years ago, three years ago, maybe uh, three years
0: know. ago, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I,
2: it, it was funny because it was like the Queen of Dam soundtrack too. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I mean that's essentially what the soundtrack is. is his solo album. It's because it, you can tell it's it's not like corn music. It doesn't have that slap bass in it. It's a lot um, more
0: percussion. Yeah, bass. it's a
2: lot of melodies, um, and so I mean it's it's really good. But it's it's more like his solo stuff that he
1: put out recently than than it was ever corn. There's a a slight irony as well of this soundtrack is that Aaliyah herself doesn't actually appear on it,
0: right? well it's a rock soundtrack yeah yeah like, she's she's yeah, not but she's, she's not a yeah
1: right but it's she's she was an r&b like rising superstar she's you know the main focus of of the film or at least of the marketing and she was a big deal so i, I would supposedly she and davis were supposed to record a duet which probably makes the most sense to me cuz if i were making that film i would want her vocals somewhere in it somehow it probably
0: yeah. it probably was planned that for that but yeah yeah, yeah, and I mean it's definitely unfortunate because she she
2: was, uh, yeah, like you said, she was up and coming. It was, I think, honestly, had she not passed away, I think this could have been a good movie if they right. would have mm-hmm. been able to actually explain what was going on a little bit better. Because I know that the book is well received. It's an Anne Rice book,
0: right? Yeah, I believe about a third of the movie they had to do body double shots and whatnot. Yeah, so and they had to rewrite portions of it. Hmm. Yeah. And so it it definitely
1: hindered
2: this movie from its full potential.
1: Speaking of vampire movies, we got one more to close this out. (laughs) Now
2: I'll be quite honest. I've only seen this movie once. It was, it, it, it didn't leave any impression on me whatsoever. And it just didn't, (laughs) that was enough. (laughs) Yeah. But the soundtrack, the soundtrack, it is amazing and this is you know i will say this is, a, is one of those situations where the soundtrack actually made me watch the movie i had <laughs> um i don't even know how i came across this soundtrack maybe it was i'm sure it was online or something but like so the dracula 2000 soundtrack is is just amazing um the it features new, and these are almost all new songs. They were new songs from Power Man Five Thousand, new song from Disturbed, new song from Slayer, System of a Down, Monster Magnet, uh, Godhead, which featured Marilyn Manson. Um, it was new Pantera. It was it was just crazy and new Taproot. Like all the stuff that was on here was was kind of originally made, or at least I, I believe most of it was originally made for this album.
1: It gave us that uh, that great cover of The Metro that system of a down did. That Berlin cover.
2: Yes, <laughs> one of
1: my favorite cover songs of all time.
2: The movie itself is is not that great. It's a West Craven film. Um you know, if you're a West Craven fan, you might like it. Um but it's just it's just different. It's it's another you know, I felt like maybe it was just that at the time there was so many damn vampire movies coming out. Yeah because um, I think you had Dracula 2000, you had Queen of the Damned, you had Underworld. It was just like the thing. Yeah. I don't know. I just
0: felt like, the, you know, they just,
2: if in comparison to all the other ones, this one was crap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you also had Blade. <laughs> yeah. And Blade was the shit. I love Blade.
1: Blade had some great music in it, but most of it was techno. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, just yeah. throwing that out there.
0: I'm just throwing out vampire movies at this point
1: right right all the
0: vampire movies. in you know. in the year 2000 and just to let you guys know
2: i am not alone in thinking that Dragon of the 2000 is a shitty movie uh, <laughs> okay. rotten tomatoes gives it a rating of 17% based on oh only,
0: damn yeah only 69 <laughs> reviews <laughs> that's that's pretty rotten
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> metacritic gives it a 26 out of 100 oh
1: That's some stanky reviews right there. Yes. (laughs) Terrible, terrible pieces of work. (laughs) I mean. But great great soundtrack, soundtrack, especially for that.
2: Somebody knew what they were doing when they were putting that soundtrack together. (laughs) Guys, we're
0: not going to make shit for for this actual movie, but the soundtrack, (laughs) we're golden. (laughs) (laughs) How do we make a shitty movie sound good?
1: (laughs) I got it. All right. (laughs) Well, that has been a fun adventure. I'm. I think. I still think it's fantastic that somehow we started with '90s movies, the most mostly pretty wholesome ones, kind of. Yeah. Um Or at least like um, you could call it uh, coming of age stories for some of them. Oh, Dan's yeah. got something else here. I
2: got one more. I'm sorry, another one that right, was right it, around the same time. It was released at the same time. Shitty, shitty movie. <laughs> <laughs> featuring arnold schwarzenegger but the soundtrack was awesome okay end of okay. days oh yeah yeah it was a fucking horrible movie it was all right let's let's review
1: this 1999 same time period yeah. as these other ones we've <laughs> on this list. <laughs> new metal soundtrack like and like this alternative like industrial mm-hmm. all right so who we got in the end of days we have
2: <laughs> everlast have Oh, yeah. Are, you know, the show's un- unmentioned favorite, Limp Bizkit. Uh
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that um, might be their first mention of the season. I'm not positive. <laughs> but there
2: was also Power Man 5000, Sonic Youth, uh, Creed again.
1: The Creed found
2: their way onto everybody's soundtrack. Especially um, in
0: 99, 2000.
2: Yeah, because they were also on Scream 3 as well. But um, they put them last on this one. So you wouldn't yes. get that far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Eminem was also on it, and uh, and actually, the song Oh My God by Guns N' Roses, which was supposed to be on Chinese Democracy, this oh. came out in 1999, Nine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Chinese Democracy didn't come out until like fucking 2010 or something, right, like right, right, <laughs> he had this song for years, and like, everybody was like, when's Chinese Democracy coming out, you were saying it was coming out, like, oh, uh, uh, it, I, it, it's coming, I promise,
1: uh it's one of these days end of days
0: <laughs> at yes. the end of days, come of days yep. <laughs> uh, you tricked us. <laughs> I have one other final soundtrack that we probably should mention real quick here.
1: do it, mention it, why not?
0: The spawn soundtrack oh, good movie, though.
1: oh yeah, but that's yeah that's <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> okay. a bad movie, bad soundtrack, yeah, we might be back on good movie at that
2: yeah, point. I thought that was a good one. <laughs>
1: Dang. Spawn was the one that did um all like the mixes. I don't even know what you call that. They come that was it was like collaborations between like I don't know what you call it, like electronic artists mostly and rock ones or rappers and and rockers. Kind of little both maybe.
0: Yeah, because you have like corn with kick the PA and Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was the one that gave us the crystal method and filter yes. together. Yes. Yep it um it gave us oh shoot no i know the prodigy I and
2: uh tom morello
1: yep that was a the really good
2: army one. uh silverchair was on there <laughs> stabbing westward the butthole surfers and uh, moby
1: <laughs> uh incubus had a track on there with a guy named dj grayboy called familiar which i familiar is a quality song it's a really good song yeah that's a, that's a good a a good call to To add to that list. It was a a very fun and and creative soundtrack for that time period. So yeah, we went from 90s films about the 70s to year 2000 films that all had like half of the same people on them. (laughs) And this is just like the tip of the iceberg kind of thing when it comes to movies related to rock. Like we didn't even touch on, you know, biopics like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody or Walk the Line or you know, your are across the universe style Beatles trip, whatever that was, or the millions yeah. of really good music documentaries that have been made. Yeah. We could probably get another episode out of that someday, maybe with a guest or something. That's what I'd like to do.
0: Maybe next Rex Manning day. Yeah. Maybe.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a hundred percent for as long as this podcast exists in some form, a Rex Manning day tradition of doing a movie episode. And a I shout like out it.
0: to the guys across the pond, Paul and Griff who, we we wanted to try to do a show kind of like that with with them but uh didn't work out this time.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll get them another time. We need some some flavor from across the pond to 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 fill us in on our the things that we're missing here. So, but we also want to know what you the listener think. I would be particularly um excited to get some recommendations on rock related films to see. And shoot, maybe we'll do a second episode on this topic sooner than later if we get some really good ones that are worth talking about. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I would love to see some just suggestions for good movies, good soundtracks, and, and verse, vice versa as well. Bad movies, good soundtracks is what I'm going to say.
1: Yeah. And so, man, that, that's fun. That's fun. I'm glad that we did this episode and we could celebrate Rex Manning Day. I'm trying to figure out which of these films I'm going to go watch. And I don't know yet. It's a tough call. Dan's really got me on The Wedding Singer, actually. <laughs> I, feel, I feel that I need to watch that film sooner than later. It's a good one. So yeah, let us
2: know your thoughts. We definitely want to hear the feedback. We appreciate all the feedback, all the participation, and all the listens. So thank you very much for listening to The Itch Podcast. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time,
1: rock on. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and
0: tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through
2: Gmail and itchrocks.com,
0: all at itchrocks, I T C H R O C K S. You put a dollar in and you got a car. You put a dollar in and got a car. You put a dollar in and got a car. <laughs>